Welcome to another episode of 100 Days in Mexico. This is the story of how a 100-day road trip, surfing my way down the Pacific coast of Mexico, changed my life forever. Ready to go on a road trip? Strap in, let's do this. Episode 32, Out of Control, Day 82. I left Diego without a plan and without a care. Once again, back on my own, I felt stronger than ever, free again to listen to my desires. I headed for the land of deeper south. I had heard a rumor about another surf spot, but I couldn't find it on any surf websites. I had no idea what to expect when I got there, nor any idea whether there would be places to stay or buy food. When I arrived, the conditions were good. The crowds were light, the water was warm, the local boys were attractive, and I was happy. I found another 9x9 thatched roof cabana to call home, complete with a bed, a mosquito net, a fan, a wooden table, and nothing more. It felt like a palace. There was one restaurant at the surfing beach. Besides the restaurant, there were no other structures. After their, their session, surfers would gather at the restaurant for breakfast or beers, depending on the time of day. There was nothing to do except surf, talk about surfing, with other surfers, and watch surfing. There was no Wi-Fi or cell service. My days took on a rhythm. Coffee, surf, eggs, hammock, surf, tacos, hammock, surf, more tacos, yoga, sleep. For the first time in my life, I had nothing to accomplish, nothing to produce, nothing to become. I had nothing to control. The local guys told me the next surf spot over was breaking and the waves were good. I asked about the break. They told me it got hollow and that the sandbar was perfect right then for long, head-high tube rides. They said the spot wasn't far away. The Melanie with the need to control would have asked about details, about how far it was, what the roads were like, the availability of food and lodging. But the guys didn't speak much English and Mexican Melanie, who was frothing for good waves and adventure, released control. I loaded my truck with surfboards and three Mexican dudes in their 20s. The four of us set out at five in the afternoon to get a sunset surf session. I had very little gas in my tank, a big bottle of water, a box of granola bars, and not a care in the world. They said it would take half an hour to reach the surf spot. I have since learned that half an hour Mexican time is at least an hour and a half on a clock. I've also learned that when local boys want a ride to go surfing with a hot chick who has a car, the waves are always head high and barreling. Being completely naive of these facts at the time, I begin to worry after an hour of driving. We still hadn't arrived and the sun was getting lower. I asked the guys how much farther it was and was simply told, No hay pedo, which literally translates to there are no farts and pretty much means that you're worrying about nothing. I laughed and went with it. We arrived at our destination about two hours later, by clock time. The car ride was brutal. It was hot, and the sharply curved mountain roads were making me car sick. The boys spoke a million miles an hour, and I struggled to communicate anything in my poor Spanish. When we reached the waves, the sun was getting low, and the waves were total slop. 
The wind was blowing onshore, the bad direction, at around 40 miles per hour. (laughs) The ocean was choppy and angry. There were zero other surfers in the water, and only one of the guys with me even bothered to try to surf. The Melanie with the need to control would have been pissed. Mexican Melanie had a good laugh. I rolled out my yoga mat on the sand. There was no one and nothing as far as the eye could see. Just sand and palms and jungle and ocean and me. The sun was setting and the colors were exploding. I must have practiced for a couple of hours. It was well after dark as I reached the end of my session and laid there in the moonlight taking in my shavasana, the final rest at the end of a yoga session. The crickets chirped, the waves crashed, the stars twinkled, and my heart cracked open just a little bit more. I cried. I couldn't remember the last time I had felt so happy and blessed. Life never tasted quite so sweet. The guys promised me conditions would be better in the morning. Mexican Melanie hadn't really given a thought to where I would sleep that night, and since it was already after dark, I wasn't going to turn around and drive two hours back to my cabana. The boys had brought hammocks and found a place to tie them up. The wind was blowing so hard it wasn't going to be possible to sleep in the open. The sand was grinding in my face, getting into my mouth and in my closed eyes. I had a tent in the car, which I tried to set up, but the wind kept blowing it down. I asked one of the guys to help me. Setting up a tent with a friend is a test of friendship under favorable conditions. Add in 40 mile per hour winds and instructions in Spanish, and it makes for a disaster. (laughs) I gave up. I tried lying down on the reclining seat in my car, but it was uncomfortable inside the hot car with the windows up, but I didn't want the car filled with windblown sand. An idea struck me, to sleep inside my padded nine-foot surfboard bag. I laid the bag down in the sand, got inside, and zipped myself up like a coffin. There was a slit and a Velcro closure on one side of the board bag where the fin was supposed to stick out. I opened the Velcro just enough for my mouth and nose to get fresh air. What followed was an incredibly uncomfortable eight hours, waiting for the sun to rise. The next morning, the waves were still awful. <laughs> the wind was howling. I hadn't really slept at all. It was, I was almost out of water and totally out of food, having shared my granola bars with the guys for dinner the night before. Eating disorder Melanie was freaking out a bit and having no food immediately available. Mexican Melanie assured herself that a little lack of control over breakfast wouldn't kill her. We packed up and headed across several miles of washed-out dirt roads toward the highway. We stopped at the first gas station where I bought us all fruit and cookies. We took several hours to get back, stopping off at several more secret spots. Each time we drove several miles down washed-out dirt roads and hard-packed sandy beaches, each time finding blown-out windslop entirely unsurfable waves. It didn't matter. I think that was one of the best 24-hour periods of the first 100 days of my journey. When I started learning to surf, I thought surfing meant riding waves. I was learning that surfing really means allowing yourself to go with the flow of a power greater than yourself. I had spent the last 24 hours riding whatever waves came my way. By 5 p.m. the next day, when we returned back to where we had started, my board had never touched the water. We were cranking reggaeton, Latin hip-hop, 
as we rolled back into the village. I turned down the radio and did my best to address the boys in Spanish. I tried saying something like, That was incredibly fun. I had a great time laughing with you. Thank you for showing me your home. One of the boys looked at me and burst out laughing. In perfect English, he said, Well done, Mela. You successfully spoke 100% Spanish for 24 hours, even though it was awful. (laughs) He had no accent at all. Wait, what? I shot back. All this time, I've been killing myself to communicate, and you speak perfect English? Pinche verga! I cursed at him in Spanish through my laughter. I hope you liked this episode. I have a lot more content on my website, 100daysinmexico.com. There's an insider section where I post along with every episode, an insider's behind-the-scenes look at what else was going on. I also post premium content about my current travels, what's going on in my life right now. A lot of it's pretty honest, raw, and real. It's about the cost of a cup of coffee per month, so if you like my content, I hope you'll check it out. Until next time.